You're listening to Morgan Bennion. This is The Cat. Hello and welcome to the second episode of the Living With Parkinson's podcast. Today we're going to be talking about the indirect effects that Parkinson's disease can have on people not suffering from a condition. Later on in the episode, I'll be speaking to Mary Lou Evans, whose husband has suffered from Parkinson's disease for eight years. Parkinson's disease not only affects people who suffer from a condition, but it also affects family members and spouses. Parkinson's is a degenerative condition, and this means that it worsens over time. People suffering from Parkinson's require support, and this may come from loved ones and also carers. One of the factors that Parkinson's disease can affect despite not having the condition is work. If someone's husband or wife is diagnosed with Parkinson's, this means that they will require more care and support, which may force the spouse to find a different job or retire earlier than they would have liked, so that they could be with their partner most of the time. In terms of support for people affected by Parkinson's who aren't suffering from a condition, there are support groups available in which people can help others to overcome their troubles and feel better. Here's a short clip from Parkinson's UK, sharing a story of two daughters whose dad has Parkinson's disease, and they explain their story. So, tell me about your dad. Um, he is a lawyer. What does that mean? It means he collects money. <laughs> <laughs> He's got Parkinson's. He can't do as many things that other people can because he finds it difficult. So that means you can't walk properly, but sometimes you can. What, what am I like in the mornings? Sometimes you can't put things on properly, like shoes and stuff like that. The tablets haven't kicked in yet. And sometimes they work and sometimes they don't. Yeah. So you help me sort them out, don't you? Yeah, every day. Morning, afternoon, evening and bed. What's it like walking to school? You have to, like, go a bit slower, but oh, it's dad. normally like Anna walking with my mum. Oh, so then I... Mum, wait! <laughs> and then she's like... Oh, oh, sorry. What happens ten minutes later? She stomps her head again. <laughs> yes! I like to give people death stares if they look at my dad. Like, if like, you're walking really slowly and people look at you, I'm like, don't look at my dad like that, and then I give them the death stare, then I just carry on walking away. <laughs> it's bad to judge people, because imagine if you were being judged, you would feel sad. Yeah, if you see someone, like, by themselves and they look like they've got Parkinson's, just go over and talk to them and be like, are you okay? Help them, it'll be fine. Do you remember when your dad told you that he had Parkinson's? Yeah, but we were, like, quite upset because we didn't really know what it was at first, but then we read this book about it and that helped us understand it more. The internet helps. Yeah. It tells us all about Parkinson's and all the medicines that you can take and stuff. It helps a lot when you talk about it because then other people are like, will be there for you if they know, and then it sort of makes you feel like more safe. You find it really helpful talking to your friends, don't you? Yeah, and I talked to um, the sort of counsellor at my school, and they helped me a lot as well. It, you just feel really great to let it let it out, and it's better to be curious, like and ask questions, and then just have it stuck inside you, like. What's it like having Parkinson's? To understand the effects that Parkinson's can have on people not suffering from a condition a bit more, I spoke to Mary Lou Evans. Mary Lou's husband has suffered from Parkinson's for eight years and Mary Lou shared her story. So firstly, welcome to the show, Mary Lou. To get started, your husband, Michael, has Parkinson's disease. So when was he first diagnosed? He was diagnosed um, eight years ago um, when um, we noticed the sort of first sign was a tremor in his right arm. 
Um, and we actually went to the doctor for something else and the doctor noticed the tremor. Um, and then he said, yes, I think you have Parkinson's. So that was the beginning. Right, OK. Well, obviously, a lot would have changed in that time frame. Yes. Um, what changed for you personally, obviously, with more support going on, maybe? And, uh, the, well, the, the first reaction, obviously, is, you know, I've got a very, very fit husband, a mountain walker, um, and, you know, he can't possibly have degenerative disease like this. Um, so you go through a little bit of a denial and then you sit back and you think, what actually is it? Um, so I got on to Google, like a lot of people do, um, and discovered the helpline, the national helpline, which I rang. And they said there was a crew support group, uh, not only for Mike, but also for the partners um, and friends. So we got in touch with them. Um, and it's, it's all obviously a shock because suddenly you realise that your life is just not going to be the same again and, and you realise that, you know, your partner's got uh, something wrong with them that is going to get worse over time. So it's a, it's just a very, very big adjustment to start with. Um, and we just did a lot of talking, uh, looking at what the future might hold and what one does about how, how you live with a condition that you've been diagnosed with. So... Uh, from my point of view, I just felt really bad for Mike that this had happened. And I sort of sat and I just looked at what the future held because we knew that we would have to change our way of life. So, yeah, initially it's just a um, bit of denial, a bit of shock. And then you realise you've just got to have that support from people. Well, you mentioned then about like sort of changing mm. your ways of life. Mm. What, what changes did you go through? Uh, well, initially, uh, Mike was very well. Um, he had he had certain symptoms, um, but um, you 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 carry on as you always have done, and then you realise things are getting more and more difficult as um, as Mike was getting slower and his muscles weren't working as well. So. Uh, over, over time, we changed from going up all the mountains in the Lake Districts, uh, which Mike had already done all of them anyway, which was great, to more lowland walks, um, walks where you knew that you could get back to the car. So if you got tired because the muscles don't work as well as they should, it's very, very tiring. Um, and it can also cause pain. So it's just looking at what we can do to carry on doing what we enjoy, um, but at the same time knowing that there's a... Um, a way out so walks where you can get to the car walks where there are seats so that you can sit so that there's a lot of adjustment in that way and again for me it's also an adjustment that I don't have the disease so I can carry on doing what on earth I want to do but then you feel well you don't really want to do things if if, if Mike can't do them then should I be doing them because that's not fair but then it's not fair on him if I stop doing things because then he feels he's holding me back. So you go through a lot of emotional yeah. stuff like that, trying to sort of work it all out. Um, yeah, we've now got to a point where everything is slower, and, and, and I'm one of these people that does everything at 100 miles an hour. So I've had to learn to do things much, much slower, because I can't stress Mike, because if I stress him, the Parkinson's gets worse. So I've had to learn to be a lot more patient, and not so much with, with Mike, but with the fact that he has Parkinson's, because yeah. he, he's still Mike. Um, but the Parkinson's has slowed everything down. And if I rush him, we've got an appointment, for example, and we're going out, um, and we've got to be there at a certain time, and then he hasn't got his shoes on. And I say, for goodness sake, get your shoes on. Then that's, that's enough to upset the Parkinson's. 
So I have to really slow things down so he doesn't get stressed. So that's a big learning thing for me, so that we can carry on being a couple, um, carry on getting on with our lives, but in this slightly, well, a huge different way in the way of sort of slowing things down. He gets very tired, so he tends to recharge the batteries in the afternoon by having his sleep. So, again, I have to make sure that, you know, the timetable for the day, etc., is worked out that he can have that time for the rest. And then that's my hour to do what on earth I want to do, whether it's watching ridiculous television or going for a power walk or, or something, um, just for me. Uh, so, yeah, so, so gradual changes over the years. Uh, and uh, it, I get anxious all the time because... If I can't see him, I don't know if he's fallen over. I don't know if he's okay, but I can't be following him around all the time. He's an independent person, and I should, you know, he has to make his own mistakes. I have to sit back and let him go off and do things. So when I see him, for example, disappear in the garage, which is a trip hazard place, I always think, he's in the garage, is he okay? Should I check on him? And I think, no, I've got to stand back and let him go in the garage, like he's always gone in the garage to do things. So from my point of view, it's it's really hard to sort of sit back and try and put the Parkinson's on the side and just let Mike do what he wants to do. But at the same time, the anxiety for me and for all partners is is there because you can see hazards that maybe they can't. So, and that's just part and parcel of one of the symptoms. So I will see something and walk round it. Mike will see something and walk through it and therefore trip over and maybe fall over. But... If I keep saying, watch this, don't do this, don't do that, then that's a knock-on effect on him because it's constantly negative and it's constantly awareness of there's something wrong. So, it, yeah, it's, um, it all gets very complicated in the end, but generally speaking, we, we, we try to live as an equal couple, but with the condition. But it, well, I think it's, it's really good that you're still obviously doing what you mm-mm. enjoy like by going on walks and stuff. Yeah, we still, yeah you, you, you just have to see it differently so that you know there's a way out. Because one, one of the other symptoms, there's a lot of pain involved because the muscles aren't working as well and you're trying to use them as you normally did, do, yeah. or did. <laughs> you know, <laughs> you, you get a lot of pain. Yeah. So we can be walking and then he can get a lot of back pain or hip pain or what have you and he he needs just to stop for a bit so we have to know that we can do that and the other thing is trying to choose walks where there aren't lots of um, broken twigs and bits around that you could trip over sort of things that yes we still get out we still have holidays Uh, again we use special assistance at the airports and that makes such a difference because that takes away all the stress because it's the stress bit at airports and places that doesn't um, do him any favours at all so um, yeah so so those are the sorts of things and the ways we've uh, changed our lives yeah well that was going to be my next question about Mm. like when Mm. you mentioned about the stress of it Mm. what sort of mental health uh, Mm. including stress like Mm. comes with it with Parkinson's that people usually Mm. may not even be aware of Uh, oh absolutely yes and it tends to be the partners that notice changes as well rather than the person with it um Mike doesn't get depressed but he can sometimes just have a down day he has no idea why he just feels down and the only answer to it is to go to bed for an hour. And it, it really, really helps. Yeah, yeah, just that hour. He'll go straight off to sleep. Um, and then when he wakes up, he, he's feeling OK. Um, the stress thing, because, again, Mike doesn't get depressed and he, he doesn't get down, generally speaking, but the stress is a Parkinson's symptom. 
So um, if, for example, he's trying to put his shoes on and I say, look, you know, it's getting late. We're going to miss that appointment. We've just got to get out now. Let me put your shoes on. And he'll say, oh, I can do it. And that's all it'll take for suddenly the shaking to get a bit worse or for him to stiffen up a bit. Um, and uh, there's nothing he can do about that. That's the Parkinson's, not him, if that makes sense. Yeah. Yeah. So, yeah, so, yeah we, we need to. And I mean, I, I'm just a normal, ordinary person who gets stressed and gets upset about things. And um, I might wake up and think, oh, I know I'm going to have a bad day today. I'm going to be horrible today. I can feel it. I'm going to be one of those days. Um, and I just got to be really careful that I don't turn around to him and say, what are you doing that for? Or just a normal sort of interrelationship with, yeah, between couples. Yeah. And, um, oh, you're getting under my feet or what have you. I, I can't do any of that. Yeah. Because then there's a knock on effect on him. So I need an outlet. And that's where the support group works. Because right, okay. you can go in and, and all I got to do is look at another partner who hasn't got the Parkinson's and just look at them and go like that. Sort of put my fists up and just sort of look, raise my eyes and think, oh, I'm having a bad day. And all they've got to do is smile at me. And I know that they understand exactly what I'm going through. And sometimes right. that's all you need yeah. just to know you're not on your own. You know, because before the Parkinson's, yeah, I, I, I could do what I just said and tell him just to get lost and I'm divorcing you today, I don't like you today. Not, you know, all the stuff you do with couples. And, <laughs> yeah. But I, I can't do that now. So I have to hold in. And that has a knock-on effect on me because then I, I get stressed inside because I can't release that feeling that normally I would be able to release. So I might go out in the garden and shout or I might ring up a friend and say, ah! <laughs> uh, and just get rid of that. But I can't get rid of it with Mike. So I, I can sit and talk to him and tell him I am feeling stressed today, but talk to him about it, but not show it so much, if that makes sense. So, uh, yeah, so, so, so each each couple, um, I'm not going to say couples, friends, whatever, whoever somebody has as their support, they will, they will all deal with it differently. Um, and some people just never really get round to how to deal with it and just find it really, really hard. Depends on the relationship, I guess, you initially had. And we have a very, very good one. Um, and we carry on with something that's just impinged on us. So sometimes I tell people there are three of us in the relationship, <laughs> you know. <laughs> yeah. Uh, so, yeah, yeah that, that's how, how we deal with it. Is it affected, like, your work at all, like your career? We're now was... retired, but we right. had to retire early because uh, we actually had a gardening business. Right, OK. So started to notice that he was getting a bit slower and he was hunching his shoulders a bit. So I would say to him, you know, you're hunching your shoulders, start walking properly. And um, he'd lost his sense of smell. Lots and lots of symptoms that you don't realise actually all belong together and mean something. Yeah. So you can actually have Parkinson's for about five years before it's actually recognised as Parkinson's, by which time you can't change uh, what's right. happened to your body but you can then try and help it by doing as much activity as you can keep the muscles as strong as you can um, so yes so we had to stop the business but we've got a beautiful garden ourselves which we could then look after so we could carry on doing what we love which is really nice <laughs> yeah and uh, put it down when it's raining which is really nice so yeah so it affected that um, but by then we'd been thinking about the possibility of retiring anyway so it just pushed that one on a bit and uh uh, yeah, so, so in that respect, it, it did affect it because obviously financially we had to relook at the budget and all of that sort of thing. Mike got a pension from his job before he set up the gardening business and it's just the two of us. 
So, and having had a gardening business, we had learnt very much how to budget. Because uh, <laughs> sometimes, you know, you'd have periods where you couldn't work because of the weather or what have you. So, yeah. Yeah, so we, so we managed that. Um, and uh, then, uh, you know, we arranged every six months you see a consultant and then the other six months you see the Parkinson's nurses and the support is brilliant. And I can ring the nurses up myself if I'm feeling that I'm not coping with it or... I just need to talk to somebody. I can ring them up and have a chat with them. So they're they're great for me as well as for Mike. Yeah, that's yeah, good. They're, they're yeah. really good. Yeah. 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 So what medications, Michael? If you don't mind me asking, no, like, of course not. Thing, no. How often is it? Um, he takes um, eight thirty, twelve thirty, four thirty, nine o'clock, ten o'clock. Yeah. Um, they're. Um, but There's lots lots of different drugs and each, each person with Parkinson's is on a different regime. Nobody can compare each other because yeah. it, there are so, so many symptoms um, that you, you can't compare with somebody else. So he takes um, a drug called Madapar um, at 8.30, at 12.30, at 4.30 and at 10 o'clock. And that... Very simply put, is a substitute for the dopamine, which is the chemical that normally gets all your muscles working, which is being reduced because that part of the brain is dying that produces the dopamine. Okay, so he takes those um, and then he takes a drug called amatadine at 10 o'clock and 3 o'clock. I'm doing well on remembering. (laughs) Um, That helps to stop what's called dyskinesia, which is an out of control sort of body shaking thing, which can be caused by the drugs. Some, some, right. some A symptom is the shaking, but also the really out of control sort of shaking, um, which I'm showing you but obviously can't be seen on the radio, uh, is, can be caused by the drugs. So he takes that. And then he takes a drug at 9 o'clock called Pipexis, and that's to help with sleeping and help to stop um, hallucinations and nightmares that can happen overnight. And also... Um, while sleeping, uh, there can be a lot of twitching and moving around in the bed, which is disturbing for both of us. And obviously for him in the sense that it's very tiring if your body's doing that. <laughs> so he takes a drug to help stop that. And then he takes another drug at 10 o'clock, which is a slow release Madapar again. And that gets him through the night. So um, they are very strong drugs and they have to be taken on time. Because if they're not taken on time, then... It's what we call go off, where he can appear to be very well and not appear to have anything wrong with him. He's taking the drugs. If he didn't, then things would, um, in his case, slow down because he's still sort of early stages. But for a lot of them, they would just stop. They wouldn't be able to function uh, because that drug is substituting the drug they're not getting naturally. Right. Yeah. So, so it's really important that those drugs are taken on time. So we all tend to have um, alarms on our phone. So if we're at the support group or at the exercise class, it's an exercise class we all go to. All the alarms are going off at different times for people whose drugs are due at those particular right. times, and it's a great reminder to t- to take the drug. So, uh, yeah, I've left Mike at the moment with his phone and the alarm on and his three o'clock drugs. So when the alarm goes off, he'll take his three o'clock. Really right. better. <laughs> so, <laughs> yes. Um, so, yeah, the, the drugs are, are very, very good. There's loads of research going on and there's lots more that can be done. Um, yeah. And they're finding out lots and lots, but it's not going to help this generation or maybe even the next generation. But hopefully yeah. the generation after that will 
be a totally different thing altogether, hopefully. Yeah, you'd hope yeah. so, yeah. Yeah, yeah. So a, a lot of the symptoms, in fact, are sort of similar to MS. Right. But for a very different reason. Um, but I think a lot of people still don't understand what Parkinson's is. And it's important to get this awareness across. Yeah. You know, that it is degenerative. You, you do not die with it. Um, you live with it and you live as well as you possibly can and you stay as active as you possibly can. Um, and you hopefully have the support of your friends or your partner that keep them going. And, yeah, you, you work it together. Yeah. And deal with it together. So. Well, that's another thing, I think, because there's so many symptoms, it can mm. be different for anyone, can't it? Yes, yes. With um, what sort of symptoms mm. are around. So what are mm. Michael's like main ones of um, I think you mentioned like sort of sense of smell before. Yes, he's lost his sense of smell. His dad had, so we just thought, oh, that's he's inherited that. But right. that actually is, uh, you can um, have problems with it because when you think that the whole body is muscle, so it it can affect your eyesight. So in Mike's case, he he tends to get a, a sort of squint and double vision. So he goes to the eye clinic once a year just to be checked and he's doing really well because you've got exercises to do it's constant exercises so there's a sense of smell um you can get numbness at the end of the fingers um stiffness rigidity shuffling of feet because you're not lifting your legs so much fatigue pain um i mean there's just so many i just you know you sort of block and try to think of them all coordination balance and of course that's a problem because there's a lot falling so as well as having the Parkinson's, there can be side effects of um, hurting yourself because you fall. Because if, again, the messages are much, much slower. So if someone with Parkinson's goes to fall, where I would put my arms out or I would sort of run a few steps to get my balance back, they will just fall and land on their heads. So, um, uh, you know, end up with bruised faces and bash glasses and what have you. Um, there's something called microphalgia. Oh, excuse me. That, that <laughs> again, okay. actually, it's interesting that's happened from what I said because that's my alarm going off for the three <laughs> o'clock tablet. <laughs> so, no, both, the, both of our phones, but uh, Mike's got his at home. Um, yeah, my, microphalgia, which is tiny handwriting. So, um, not, every, not everybody, again, has that symptom. Mike has it where he goes to write and it gets so small that it's totally indecipherable. But we have a stamp that is legal and we got from the bank and the stamp is Mike's signature. So he's still able to sign things right. by for himself, but using the stamp. So there's lots of help out there for, you know, problems like that. Um, and, uh, oh, just trying to think now, there's just so many and I've had this sudden block. Um, <laughs> <laughs> but, uh, yeah, it, it affects every single muscle in the body. Mike has what's called a fibrillation which is where um, the pulse rate gets a bit erratic. Um, so so your, your, your heart doesn't beat as normal. Uh, that could be to do with Parkinson's because the heart's a muscle as well. It can affect your bladder. You can get constipation. Um, and they're horrible things because, you, you know, you can be out and about and if you need to go to the toilet, you need to go to the toilet because your muscles aren't working as well. Yeah. So, uh, you know, again, how do you deal with that? Every time you walk past a Lugo for a try or <laughs> you, you just, yeah. ev everything you have to think sort of ahead of how to manage so you can get on with your life. Right, okay, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I think we've just mm. about covered everything there. So mm. thank you so much for no, it's coming a pleasure. in. Thank you for doing It's this. just nice for me to do this so that the awareness is out there for people to understand a lot more about what it is. 
So a big thank you to Mary Lou Evans, who shared her story with us today. That does now bring a close to today's episode, and I hope you found it helpful. If you'd like to find more information on Parkinson's disease, then more information can be found on websites such as the NHS, Parkinson's UK, and parklife.com. Stay tuned for next week's third and final episode of Living with Parkinson's, where I'll be speaking to a medical professional to take a deep dive into what Parkinson's really is. For now, though, that's it from me this week. So thank you for listening, and goodbye. So picture the scene. You see a man stumbling down the street. You notice his legs are unsteady. His friends struggle to hold him up. Then you think to yourself, it's only one in the afternoon. You approach with caution. You give him a wide berth. Then, suddenly, you make eye contact, and he says, I'm not drunk, I've got Parkinson's. At Parky Life, we're shaking off Parky prejudice and revealing the wonderful people underneath. For more light-hearted true stories like Matt's, head over to parkylife.com for the brighter side of Parkinson's. National Find a Rainbow Day, National Ferret Day, National Sellotape Day, National Kiss a Ginger Day, National Earmuff Day. There's a day for everything nowadays. But living with Parkinson's every day makes World Parkinson's Day the most meaningful to me. Well, that and uh, National Cocktail Day. I've got to give these shaky hands something positive to do. Visit parkylife.com and celebrate the brighter side of Parkinson's. This is The Cat. This is the only local radio station for crew and Nantwich.